0: This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a
1: podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey guys, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We're glad to be here today. Uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. Uh, if you are new to listening to us, I am one of the co-hosts of the show. My name's Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my other co-host, and what's your name again? Tyler Hurley. That's right, Tyler Hurley. Dude, yeah. this is the <laughs> 151st episode. Oh, wow. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, we hit 150 last week. It's oh, crazy. crazy.
0: Yeah, well, I know, uh, um, I was just thinking on my way to record today that uh, it's been almost three years of recording a podcast, but it's uh, yeah. April. April. April April. will be three years. We're nearing
1: three years. Yeah, look at that.
0: It's been quite a ride. You don't look
1: look any older. I know. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I look a lot older, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed you didn't jump in to say, you too, Ravi. You You too. That's fine. Whatever. You too. Too little. I'm late. I'm late. Thanks, Tyler. Tyler. (laughs) Anyway, we are the hosts of this show, and our show is all about uh, apologetics, and our show is about theology, and we want to equip people to be able to defend their faith and then also to be confident in their faith. And so right now, we are in a series called Contexts. We took a couple weeks off to go through some other things with the Ravi's. Zacharias thing that came up. and Anyways, but we're back for the last few episodes of Contexts, and uh, we're going to get into uh, how do we study the Bible? What are some general rules of thumb we should should remember when it comes to studying scripture? Yeah. But before we do that, uh, we love to, in this show, always start off with a coffee tip. That's That's the coffee portion. Other than us just drinking coffee like I'm doing right now. We live it. We live coffee. Yeah. Coffee (laughs) is life. No. Not Uh. really. (laughs) Well,
0: you got the coffee tip for today, Tyler. So what is is the coffee tip of the day yeah this one's interesting um so it turns out this is something that a lot of you might not have known about 37 gallons of water are what it takes to go into one single cup of coffee wait wait wait, wait, wait. hold on gallons gallons i have a cup of coffee here tyler and this cup can hold 18 ounces it, it took 37 gallons of water to is, make that cup of coffee that doesn't make sense what does that mean the reasoning behind that is because you need 140 liters of water to grow enough beans to produce one cup of coffee. Oh, so you're talking about how the, oh, I see, how yeah, the plants so the, suck up the water yeah. and grow the beans. Yeah, and that's the thing. The reason, too, why, why uh, coffee beans are grown in all these weird, like, crazy moist climates like Mm uh you know like costa rica or like uh, the only american ones we talked about before hawaii and like some parts of california yeah sure because there's places with lots of moisture lots Uh, of water that can go into it because there's just so much water that goes into making the amount of beans that are necessary for one cup it equates to about half a bathtub full to make one cup of coffee yeah That is crazy. That's exactly what it does. Half a bathtub full, just for perspective. Okay, so now think about that.
1: Like, okay, because now I'm thinking, like, God makes things for us to enjoy. Yeah. One of the things he made for us to enjoy is coffee. And he is okay with using 37 gallons of water. So I can have one cup of coffee. That's right. Like, what a generous God! I don't know. I think about it in that way. Like, (laughs) wow! Like, that's insane. Like, for him to have the forethought and the understanding that coffee would be this huge thing, especially in our day and age. Yeah. That he's like, no, I want people to enjoy it, so I'm going to make sure there's enough water. Yeah. But they can, yeah, that's like, yeah. I don't
0: know, man. That's just a really generous it, well, well, god. It's a, it's a lot of water. To, to, if you really think about that, like I don't know how much water goes into like producing like other produce and stuff. That mm-hmm. that would be an interesting comparison. But as far as coffee, that just sounds crazy yeah because like, I'm, yeah.
1: I'm i'm using one and a half bathtubs at least a day yeah and i think right? of like I'm how three cups. how little
0: like actual water i drink on a day-to-day basis versus coffee yeah <laughs> like, well it's because <laughs> okay, the coffee drank it for you yeah there we go <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, see, i don't idea. need to drink water because <laughs> i i want that there is 37 gallons of water essentially in that cup right there true that's that's really when you so break you drink it down one cup
1: of coffee you're hydrated for a month
0: yeah there whatever
1: go. i don't know if that's how it works <laughs> <laughs> well that's a cool tip there man we go. yeah so when you're drinking your cup of coffee remember that like it took 37 gallons of water to produce that cup of coffee for yeah, you yeah that's
0: a fun fact and god's Look okay that. with
1: that and he wanted you to enjoy that cup of coffee yeah that's, that's awesome. a, that is a cool fact man
0: well, there we go
1: all right well let's move back into context so we've done multiple episodes on this and again context is an acronym that we came up with to remind us of things that we need to study and we need to look for when we're going into our bibles. So the the acronym st- stands for its context, so C is crowd, O occasion, N name of the author, T is time. E is echoes, X is explanation. And then today we're gonna get into the the second T, which is the text says, what does the text say? Mm -hmm. And then uh, next week we're gonna talk about says to me. How does that apply to my life? Yeah. But for today, the text says, what does it say? What is observation? Tyler, why is it important for us
0: to ask this question? Yes, it's so important. Observation cannot be overlooked when we're going through context. We have to look at what the text says, right? Uh, We need to ask, what does the text say before we conclude on what the text means? That's very important. It's huge. Yeah. And I remember when I was in, in was it seminary or my undergrad? I don't remember.
1: I was in in school studying scripture somewhere. (laughs) And one of my profs, he made us do this exercise where he said, okay, I want you to take John chapter one, verses one through 10. Mm. So that's not a lot, uh, that's not a large portion of scripture. And he said, I want you to come up with a hundred observations. 100. Out of 10 verses. And you're like, 100 observations? Like, what does that mean? And and he said, well, it doesn't mean that you tell me what it means. It just means you tell me what you observe. And we're like, what is that? But, dude, people overthought it. This is what he wants us to do. So if we read John 1-1, you know, in the beginning yeah. was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. An observation in the first verse would be that the word, Word, is repeated three times. Yeah. That's an observation, mm-hmm. and that it's capitalized in the English. That is So that's another observation, and that the word God is repeated twice, and that the word is God. So, yeah, I mean, and it
0: says at the beginning, right? Like, yeah. Like, there's
1: a ton of different things you can go yeah. off of. Now, yeah. Now, what we couldn't do is say, oh, in the beginning, this harkens back to Genesis. That's not an observation. Now you're now you're correlating things. Yeah. No, no, no. Just what is there? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's so simple, it's hard to do.
0: Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. It's because, and I, I think that's a great way of putting it. It's so simple. It's hard to do because what happens is we, we get in these mindsets, right? Of people who like probably grew up knowing scripture and mm-hmm. having a good theological background. You can go into looking at passages like that yeah. and reading it with the preconceived mindset of what happened in Genesis. Yep. And you try to apply that same application to this passage just because it said beginning, right? Yep. And so in, in the it beginning, it's hearkening. It, it is. is. Yeah, that, sure. That's what it means. It's, it is what it's talking about about. Yeah. But by making that statement and trying to make an observation of, oh yeah, this is tied to Genesis. That's not focused directly on what the text says. And that's what we're trying yeah. to get you guys to understand is you need to look past that. You need to just look at the text for face value, yeah. apart from everything else. And you're gonna get to interpreting it.
1: Of course, but yeah. But you,
0: you should start with,
1: what is here? That's all.
0: So yeah, yeah. What does this say Wait, before I, I move to, what does this mean? Exactly, and what's that's say? actually what we're gonna go over next episode, too, on application, uh, yeah. to get into that. What does so it we'll, mean for me? Yeah, yep. so we'll get into that a little bit more, but today, again, we're focusing on, what does this say? What's okay? there, What's that's it. there? what's there in the text. Yes, so. Uh, for practicing what the text says, we're gonna do a little look through in the parable of the sower in Luke eight four through fifteen. Okay, and yep. you can see the parallel accounts in Matthew thirteen and Mark four as well. Yep. Yeah, I picked this one because it's shorter. Yeah. The Matthew yeah. one is is more extended, and then
1: there's like this whole middle section of Jesus talking about why he says right. parables and stuff. So Luke eight, I yeah. think, is a good. A good baseline to understand what this parable what is this, uh, Yeah, because this about. passage,
0: this particular passage is focused on just what the parable is saying, and it's, yeah, it's, it's straight and forward. So yep. I'm going to read through it really quick. This All is right. Luke 8, 4 through 15. It says, when a, when a large crowd was coming together, and those from v- the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow the, his seed, and he... As he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell to the good soil and grew up and produced crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Okay. Okay, so, so there's the yeah. parable. There it yep. is. There so, it is. This
1: is a story. Jesus is trying to teach something with this story
0: about uh four different soils. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we have this parable, right? What's significant about this parable uh is that Jesus goes on to explain what it means, right? Yes. He doesn't do that about like with his other parables. He doesn't
1: do that with all his parables. And that's why
0: this is so this is a cool one because yeah. he goes on to give us the keys to interpreting. And you got to think if he's going as far as to like, actually break it down more, it's mm-hmm. probably pretty important. Like he's trying to really get something across here because if he doesn't do that, that often with the other ones well, like what's so what what is unusual about this one why he explains it right well
1: one of the reasons he does explain it is cuz his yeah. his disciples come to him and they're like what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what does that mean? And and it's interesting, even if you go to the Matthew 13 uh, parallel passage of this, he gives this whole thing about why he speaks in parables, and it's to fulfill prophecy exactly. about yeah. having ears they still don't hear. And even here, you see him say that. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So he's basically saying, I just told you some amazing truth, and
0: if you really care... I hope you listened. See, there we go. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that's the significance of it. So then we look into it, and it's like, why does he ex- break this down? Uh, what is the meaning behind this parable? Yeah, Let's so, he, so Jesus
1: goes on to explain it. So I'm going to read yeah. the rest of the passage, uh, Luke 8, 9 through 15. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said... To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest, it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And he's quoting the Old Testament there. Uh, Verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who hear, uh, who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But, the seed in the good soil these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance mm. okay so now we're getting into what it means like honestly without jesus telling us those key things what would you conclude about yeah, this exactly. parable? Like, I don't know what this means, man. Like, be careful with your seed when you're planting your crops. Good like, gardening what does it tips, it yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like an HGTV yeah. Jesus edition. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense. So anyway, um, he explains it to us. So first observation that we see here, because Jesus tells us this plainly. The seed is, according to Jesus, the word of God. Right. Okay. There we go. The message, the gospel, the seed is the word of God. He says it in Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Yeah. When you look at Matthew thirteen nineteen in the parallel passage, it says that Jesus said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. So Jesus is equating the seed with the word about the kingdom. Hmm. So we can
0: observe,
1: yeah. I think pretty plainly that the seed represents the Word of God. yeah, is that a fair observation. yeah,
0: I think it is and, and that's just what well he literally says it. He literally says yeah, it yeah yeah, so so
1: that's, so that's that's step number one. yeah now exactly. what does that mean? I don't know, okay, but I know what it mm-hmm. says. So, the seed again, is the word of God. The seed represents the word of God in the parable.
0: Yeah. And then with that too, we have further observations here is that the, about the soil beside the road. Okay. Yes. So another observation that's important to notice is in verse 12, where it says those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Mm-hmm. Okay. According to this verse, the soil beside the road represents people who have heard the word of God. yet. Yet do not believe it because the devil comes and takes away the word right yeah. so so the result is that they will not believe and be saved that that's what it says yeah the, because the word was taken
1: away they will not believe and be saved yeah that's what it says yeah. so so if
0: they b- would have believed they would be saved yes so so the observation that we can get from that is that if people believe the word they are saved the soil beside the road did not believe and thus are not saved. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so in this hard soil, right? And you think about soil beside the road where people are walking and stuff. I mean, it's, it's really compact. Oh, of course. It's not, yeah. It's not good for for plants. Yeah, it makes sense to from to a farming grow. technique. Yeah. 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 So not a good place for uh, for seeds to germinate. But it's clear here that there's in the parable it says birds come and snatch it away, right? Mm come and eat it. Well, he's saying, yeah, that's Satan. Like he comes and he, people hear it, but they're hard. Their hearts are hardened. They don't want it. They won't hear it. So they won't trust in it even though they've heard it. And if they would have trusted, if believed in it, they would have been saved. Yeah, Yeah. But we see in the parable that these seeds are scattered and then birds come and eat them and take them away and they don't get implanted in the soil. Right? Yeah. It's, because the soil's hard. Exactly. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah so, okay. So, uh, all right, Jesus, I see what you're saying here. This is an interesting one. Now, let's move on to the next soil. And I get, let's talk about this a little bit right yeah. now. And I, I know at the end, we're going to get into it a little. But um, one of the reasons we picked this parable is because there are a lot of people who make the claim mm-hmm. that only the fourth soil, the good soil, is the one that's actually saved. And yep. that the rocky soil and the 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 thorny soil aren't saved. And we want to go, okay, well, could be. But let's look at what's there and what is said, right? So that's, yeah, that's yeah. how we're t- taking this is out of these four soils, what is Jesus teaching? And I think the whole point of this is he wants us to bear fruit. It's not about course, getting yeah. into heaven or not getting into heaven. The point is bear fruit. But let's see if we can deduce, according to this parable— Which of these soils are saved or not saved according to the words of Jesus?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's what we're
1: trying to do. Yeah. It's what we should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Observation number one mm -hmm. the seed is the word of God in the parable. Yeah. Uh, the soils are different types of people. Correct. That's what Jesus explains. Uh, the first type of person is like hard-packed uh, soil by the road mm-hmm. that when seed scattered on it, it bounces off, and Satan comes and snatches it away like a bird stealing a seed, and they don't believe and get saved. Yeah, But if exactly. they would have believed, they would have gotten saved, but they don't because they're hard. <laughs> right. Okay, so that's where we're at. Let's go on to the next type of soil, the, the rocky soil. Verse 13 of Luke 8. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, fall away. So the rocky soil, what he's explaining, like I always would think of like soil with a bunch of rocks on top of it. That's not what he means. Uh, He means like if there's some decent soil, you know, one or two inches deep, Mm. but then beneath that, there's just some kind of bedrock these plants can grow a little bit, but their roots can't go down because there's rock under there and they can't get through the rock to have healthy roots. So they can't go deep is the idea. So this type of soil isn't the best type of soil to plant stuff on because your plants will spring up and they'll grow at first, but they won't have longevity because they don't have deep roots. Now let's look and see what happens. The seed is scattered on the rocky soil and when it was, he said, they receive the word, the seed, the word of God yeah. with joy. That right. sounds like, accept it, believe it. Not, I don't believe it, does. I accept. And then he goes on to say, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while. So, so Jesus says the rocky soil people believe. Yeah, it makes sense. So this this, this <clears throat> is interesting. We observed earlier with the with the soil beside the road that if you believe, it means you're saved, and here he says the rocky soil people believe, which would make me conclude, Save. are saved, yeah,
0: because that, that's what he said just a couple verses ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the context. It's it's yeah. there. It's just observation. Okay, what are we? How are we looking at this now? Yes. The thing is this: the rocky soil obviously doesn't persevere well. And temptation comes, and, and they don't have deep roots, and so mm. they, they fall away. They die off. They don't make it long to produce fruit. But it doesn't mean they didn't grow. Yeah the, yeah, the seed germinates in the rocky soil. Yeah. The seed grows, and that's what it says. Received your choice, sprang up. But when temptation came, couldn't make it. Mm. So, again... What is the rocky soil? Are these Christians or not Christians? Are these people who, who don't believe or do believe? Well, it literally says that they believe.
0: Which would say that they're saved. I think so. Because that's what Jesus said before. Is Because that, that's, that's what Jesus said before, yeah. saved.
1: Now, they definitely don't persevere. Right. So I am 100% willing to say this text says they don't persevere. But then the question becomes is our salvation dependent on our perseverance? Either to earn us salvation or to prove it we have actually to had it, it in the first place. If that's
0: your theology, it would have to be.
1: But according to this passage, I think Jesus is teaching these people are saved and they don't persevere to the end. I think you're right. Could Isn't be. That well, th- could th- be. Th- that's what it seems to say. Yeah. just trying to observe, Tyler. Yeah, right. So, again, the seed that germinates and grows, the seed that's received with joy because they believed— grows, but it doesn't produce mature fruit, right? For sure. Yeah. That does not happen. There is no fruit produced. So that's a type of person Jesus is talking about. There's the hard soil person. There's the rocky soil person. Now let's move on
0: to the thorny soil person. Yeah, the, the thorny soil person. This is a, a different category here. So it's I'm going to read the context for this passage. It's uh um and starting in verse 14 it says the seed which fell among the thorns these are the ones which ha- who have heard and as they go on their way they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity right so so the thorny sorry the, the thorny soil does not have the problems of the rocky soil right yeah it's uh, different different issues yeah yeah but it has a different problem like it the, It's kind of like a Christian, essentially, and in the observation text. It's it's a person who does not completely produce fruit, but they get choked up by the things and pleasures and riches of this life. That's Mm -hmm. what it says, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Its roots can grow deep, but there are uh, thorns and weeds growing up around it faster, which choke it out. And so the text says that the seed fell on the thorny soil... And that eventually the plants are choked out, that indicates that the seed germinated and grew. Right? Yeah, so that's important. The Back seed to, yeah. grows. So, what does that mean? Exactly. It, well, it would mean that it, they believed.
1: I think so, because they found the hard road soil, right? The soil beside the roadway, yeah, the pathway. Yeah. It never takes root. It never grows at all. Right. It never germinates. It's taken away. Well, this one grows. It has to grow in order to be choked out. Mm. So that means the seed was received and it did grow. Yeah. Which I think equates with believed and saved in the first first so i don't think it's a crazy idea to think oh yeah these are christians too yeah
0: yeah and then interestingly enough too it, it doesn't say that this plant doesn't produce any fruit it just says yes. that it, they don't produce fruit to maturity that's a good so, point so yeah that's the point there you got to think it, the fruit is there just immature meaning it's bad have you ever had good. immature fruit
1: oh i have yeah yeah me too like i when i grew up uh up north in northern arizona we had an apple tree in our yeah. yard and um uh, it was so weird because some years that thing would just produce apples like crazy oh, yeah. you know yeah. little apples not not the big nice sure. ones but the little crab apples and some years it would be just awesome and then there were some years where like they were there wasn't very many and they were terrible mm. um, but when we'd start seeing them grow we're like oh man yes 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 but you had to wait until they matured and if you picked it too early dude it was like it was like chewing on like a rock almost it was so hard yeah. and so bitter and so it was worthless Yeah, right yeah. so there's fruit there on the tree
0: it just it's not mature it's no good that's a great way to explain it and so but that's the important thing to note here that again we're just looking at what the text says and what it appears to be saying is that they produce fruit but it's just not to maturity which would lead me to imply that it's probably saying that this person is still believing they germinated right yeah but they just aren't Producing, so that's yeah. kind of the they're not producing process. grapefruit.
1: Exactly. It's there, but it's kind of gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, I I, I feel like in my life, and I feel like I think I've seen Christians like this. Like I, I've yeah. seen people who get like really on fire for the Lord and who are just zealous for Him, and then. uh they but i got you know my kids on the on the you know club soccer league and then i got this party over here and i got this thing and i'm doing this and i you know i want to go on my boat on sundays this pleasure right and i and you what are you doing with your life yeah is yeah. your life just about fun and comfort or is it about serving the lord and i'm not saying having a boat's bad i'm not saying playing soccer none of these things are bad yeah yeah but when that's all our life consists of mm-hmm. Uh, our fruit isn't really doing much. If we're not talking to people at the soccer game about Jesus, if we're not making friends and loving our neighbors as ourselves, you know what
0: I mean? Yeah, Then, right. then it's
1: all worthless, and we're just selfish and, and, and using our lives for
0: ourselves. Yeah, uh, and that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. That's, yeah, because the, the, the goal is that we need to be producing that fruit. We need to mature. We need yes. to have it. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying here, That's right? the whole point. He yeah. wants us to be the good soil. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting in the context
1: of, if you read this in Mark, he's he's just been talking with the Pharisees <laughs> who don't believe him.
0: Yeah. And then he yeah. says, hey, there's this
1: group of people that I'm going to spread the seed <laughs> on. Uh, they're going to hear, and it's just going to bounce off, and their hard hearts aren't going to hear it. And then there's going to be other people who are like this and like this and like this. It's a really interesting in yeah. the context of the passage to see how this fits in. But that is the thorny soil. I I think that's a great point. It doesn't say they don't produce fruit. It says they don't bring Mm, their fruit to maturity. That's That's important. Now, the last one, obviously, the good soil. Uh, This is the ideal soil, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Please be like this. This is the type of person I want. These are the types of people that I need. This is a fruitful life. Uh, The passage says, but the seed in the good soil... These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now, I think this is fascinating, Tyler, Mm. because he's basically been um, uh, using a a device like somewhat like a funnel in in a, a literary device. that's sort of like a funnel where he's he's funneling down to I want you to be like this. So if you noticed the the hard pathway soil didn't receive the word. Right? Yeah. They didn't receive it. And he says, these are the ones who've heard the word in an honest and good heart. So they did receive it. So heard the word in an honest, good heart, which the rocky soil did, received Mm -hmm. it with joy. Right? Yeah. The thorny soil did as well. So he's saying you need to receive the word unlike the hard pathway. Then he goes on and he says, and hold it fast. Stick Mm. with it. Don't fall away. Which... The rocky soil fell away, right? Yeah, So don't be like the pathway soil, receive it. Don't be like the rocky soil, hold it fast. Because uh, the thorny soil held it fast. Yeah. It doesn't say that they fell away. It just said that they weren't producing fruit to maturity. So they didn't fall away. The thorny soil held it fast. Yeah. The rocky soil didn't. But then he says, and bear fruit with perseverance. Okay. Mm. The rocky soil did not do that. And the thorny soil did not produce fruit with perseverance. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. He's funneling yeah. down. He's saying, so you need to not yeah. only receive it like the rocky soil, but you also need to hold it fast. But in addition to that, not just like the thorny soil, you need to produce mm-hmm. fruit to perseverance.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a the thing. There's a lot of theologians out there who preach that these that this parable teaches that the first three soils are not saved, mm-hmm. and the good only the good soil. Mm-hmm. That, that's described, is saved, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. The reason for this interpretation is that because they neglected to see, I think, what the text says. It's yeah. it's true. Because when you read the text, it, this parable is obviously encouraging people to be the fourth soil. It's not saying that if you aren't the the fourth soil, if you're the second or the third soil, that you're not saved. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that that if you're the first soil, right? The one on the road. Yeah. You're not, because it never germinated, never planted. And it clearly says that. It does, yeah. snatched it away so they don't believe, and... And are saved. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. We should conclude based off of what the text says alone. Mm-hmm. Like I I shouldn't even say should. We need to include this because that's kind of what it it's directly what it says. Yes. That if you yeah, that if you are the first seed. Uh, sorry the first soil a seed trying to plant on there mm-hmm. and you'd never germinated then you were not saved all the other three they planted plant means believed yep. believed means saved according to the logical breakdown that we literally get from Jesus in this passage
1: yep well and yeah. haven't you seen like I, I just just being a pastor for so many years I've seen people who love the Lord they mm-hmm. trust in him they're growing they're following him but they don't take time to get really rooted in their faith. Yes. meaning rooted in the truths of Christianity. They don't know doctrine. Right. They don't know this. And, dude, when temptation comes up or persecution comes up, they fold like a deck of cards, house of cards. That's probably the analogy. Fold like a oh, house yeah, of yeah, cards. Yeah. That's probably better, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's true, though, right? It's true. And, beca- yeah. and it's because, and especially, you know what? I see this happen all the time. You, I kind of look at those people as like these celebrity Christians who are deconstructing their faith. It's because they didn't have a very deep faith at all. No. And what they believed in, I don't believe in. You you know what I mean? Yeah, and so They trusted in Christ, but they didn't get rooted. They're the rocky soil that didn't go very deep. And then when the pressures of culture come or temptations of culture, the temptation to just say, yeah, I'm fine with what culture thinks is true with the LGBT community and the transgender community, and let's just accept everything is fine, you get this temptation to do that. Mm-hmm. And the, and they fold because they didn't understand the depth, and they weren't rooted in their faith.
0: Now, yeah, exactly. I don't think that
1: means they're not saved if they trusted
0: in Jesus as their Savior. You're saved, and it's eternal yeah. life, not the potential to well, get it. You you have it exactly because right? that's the thing. Again, like the Christian you just described, that's still one of the um, the seeds that planted in this yeah, parable. exactly. And that's the point. And Jesus said, like, if one of these seeds is planted, that implies they believed. Yeah. And, and if he they says believe, they believe for a while. They're they, saved.
1: They fall away because they weren't rooted, right? Yes, exactly. But again, that doesn't mean they never grew or germinated. Well, yeah. They did.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and this is the thing, too. It's like to to think about if... Uh, I'm just thinking about this from a, a real-world perspective, mm-hmm. like, aside from the parable. If you have a per, a Christian who, like who goes their whole life right and uh, living in sin, doesn't mm-hmm. uh, originally before yeah, sure. they have become saved, and then they uh, they are saved on their deathbed, right, and then all of a sudden it's like oh their seed's planted but they're dying, and it's yeah. like okay they didn't do anything with their life. Yeah, what's the difference between that and then someone who is saved early on believes yeah. at a young age and then throws away the rest of their life? Yep, because because either way they've produced the same amount of fruit. Yes. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying here in this parable. He's saying, like, like it doesn't matter, like, like, you are saved, but we don't. W- I don't want you to be like those who just throw it away, who get choked out by the world. Yeah. I want you to live a fruitful life. Yep. That's the yeah. whole point of it. That's a good point, Tyler. And
1: I think that it really does come down to taking Scripture at face value. Uh, all throughout the Gospel of John, yeah. Jesus says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Not, we'll get it eventually. Yeah. Not, might get it if they hold fast and persevere. That isn't what it says. No. And and I love, I've talked to so many people who have different theology than me, and, and we'll read a passage and they will say, well, listen, I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. I go, okay, well, really? so that sounds to <laughs> me like I have a preconceived idea or I have my presuppositions, and I'm going to impose those onto the text and read it through that lens versus let's let the Bible tell us what it says. And, and that's where we get into trouble. And so I do believe that Scripture is clear about if you believe in Jesus one time, yeah. you are saved and you can't get out of that saving relationship. It's, it's being born again. Once you're born, you can't ever be unborn. Yeah, right. It's a one-time thing, no-take-backies, right? Like, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. And, and that's what Scripture depicts salvation as. You know, some people will say um, uh, salvation is, or faith, like there's this new movement going on right now with these guys, and they're saying faith means allegiance, which is a fancy word for works. It doesn't mean that.
0: I've never heard that faith... There's
1: these guys arguing against the Gospel Coalition guys who, again, fall in a different uh, different theology than I do. But there's these guys that are attacking like John MacArthur and John Piper, and they're saying that they don't go far enough that they should realize that faith means allegiance to Jesus. Bodily allegiance is the word. And you say, bodily allegiance, that sounds like works. It It is. It is. And that's where if we take the Bible at what it says... It's clear that it's not by works we're saved. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about that. By Jesus, it's about believing in him, believing in what he did, taking a drink from the water of life, and then you'll never thirst again.
0: Yeah. He doesn't yeah.
1: say continually drinking from me and making sure until the end, right? Eating of the bread of life, and then you'll never hunger again. Mm. The, all of the analogies in scripture are this this one time decision you make, and then you're locked in because you've been born again. And so I, I agree with you. I think that a guy at the end of his life who believes, he's done, he's in. Yeah, yeah. But he squandered his life, and he hasn't produced any mature fruit. Exactly, yeah. The thief on the cross, right? He's, he there went to heaven, but yeah, man, th- he didn't that's produce any fruit. a
0: example of where Jesus literally said someone who— accepts me on their deathbed yep. is saved. Yep. Right? And, then,
1: and then you'd have to look at guys like I'd say like Solomon. Yeah. Who, he, he the wisest man who ever lived, literally when you study the word, God comes and meets with him twice. Mm-hmm. It was probably the, the pre-incarnate Jesus yeah. who comes down and talks with Solomon. And that guy squandered the end of his life because his wives turned his heart away from the Lord to idols, right? Yeah. And there is, now listen, there is Jewish folklore that he turned back and then he wrote Ecclesiastes at the end, but there's no documentation that that's actually what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's nothing like that. It seems like he turned away because of the idolatry in his heart because he married all these women that he wasn't supposed to, Mm. and that turned him away. Well, so, so now you're saying Solomon's not in heaven? I actually had a... I actually had a seminary professor who says Solomon's not saved, really. And I said, "Time out." So you think a guy who wrote three books in the Bible isn't in heaven? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I thought, well, at least you're
0: consistent. Like, well, <laughs> I, can't, I That's a tough one for me to buy. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's the thing. It's not even just about the fact that he wrote passages in Scripture. It's like just, I mean, you, we what we know of him and his lifestyle. Yeah, he made some pretty horrific big mistakes. choices. Yeah, as but... did David as did david as did samson yeah as uh, on and on and on And i don't think anyone really questions if david was is in heaven no i i I don't know any feel i'm sure there's one crazy guy out there who does but yeah (laughs) i'm pretty sure everyone would say
1: david's in heaven and yeah it talks about how he's a man after god's own heart right yeah yeah but the thing is this is it possible for people to really trust in jesus and then to say i don't want to live for you anymore I I do think that's a possibility. Scripture talks about the carnal Christian. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about that. Your your rewards will be burned up. Uh, Paul talks about that. Romans 7, he talks about, what is this war that's going on inside of me, right? Um, So all of our experience, uh, every Christian alive has told the Holy Spirit, no thanks, at a certain point in their life. Yeah. They've told him, no, I'm not going to do that. And so you're saying that that's fine, but if you go further than that to the point where you always are saying no, that's too far. Uh, What are we talking about here? If we take the Bible at its word, Jesus says, if you trust in me, you are saved. Done deal. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's over. Yeah. But according to Jesus' words, it seems like you cannot get very rooted, and then when temptation comes your way, you can fall away from it. Or you can get choked out by nonsense in your life, cares of the world, even good things, right? Ministry could be one of those things. Mm. You can just get choked out by the busyness of ministry. You can get choked out by pleasures and temptations, which is probably what happened to Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, Just yeah. choked out, and his fruit now is terrible. I actually, I saw today um, <clears throat> that RZIM, their, their main oh, yeah. uh, website, the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, they have taken all, Tyler, all of their content off of there except for the report and the letter they wrote about why they made it public and their stance on it. Wow. It seems like the fruit of RZIM is not mature and it's shrinking and it's bad.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. Uh, There was so much good content, right? I think this is a good example that came out of that, good ministry that happened. You call it fruit. Yeah, fruit. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, it, it had such a good reputation, mm-hmm. uh, that name, right? Uh, but now, like, y- y- there's an example of this, too. On the day that the report, or day after, that the report mm-hmm. had, I, I won't say which, which figure, but I, I was following a, uh, the, like, a well-known Christian figure, uh, like, another page that I follow, they shared a, uh, an automated tweet uh-huh. of a Ravi Zacharias quote. Mm-hmm. But but it was planned and scheduled out before. Oh, everything. before the yeah, report came before out. Before the yeah. report, and and so it it was just like it just seemed people like read it and they people were figuring out they were like this was obviously scheduled, but you should really take this down. And that's the thing. It's because. Yeah. Like, why would you take it down if it's something that's good, right? It's because a true statement, yeah. It's a true statement, exactly. It, the quote, I don't remember what the quote was, but it was something that Ravi Zacharias had said and about it was a good the quote. gospel. Yep. And it was a great quote, but it was tainted, right? It was bad fruit because it had his name on it. Because pleasures choked it out. Exactly. Yep. Yes, exactly. And so so that's how it is. When we live lives that are not producing this good fruit and yep. we get choked out, Everything is done in vain, right? It's tainted or yep. it's dragged through the mud. So so it's something that Jesus wants us to be careful of.
1: Yeah, and he wants us to be the good soil. And, yeah, and that's the point of the parable is be the good soil. Exactly. Guys, guys, I want you to be like this. It's awesome that you've believed. Great, right? Yeah. You're not the hard soil. Awesome. Now I also want you to go deep. Mm, and yeah. I want you to um, uh, not only hold fast to it, not fall away from it. I want you to produce fruit and persevere through it and not right. get caught up. And it's interesting, man, because throughout Scripture, you see people that like Paul and Barnabas and other guys take along with them who get caught up with the cares and worries of this world. I think of Demas. Paul talks about Demas. He's abandoned us and he's gone away because he's, got, he's too in love with the world right? Isn't that the third soil? Like, I mean, it just, it sounds
0: exactly like what Jesus was talking about here. Exactly. And that's what we got to be thinking of, right? Which soil do we belong in? Like, and we, we need to be the fourth soil. I think everybody reads that and you're like, of course I want to be the, the good soil, yeah, and and that's the goal. It's because Jesus is trying to use this parable to show. Uh, I mean, everybody can relate to like bad fruit, right? I, yep. I feel like everybody at one point or another has tasted immature. Yes, fruit. oh yeah, and, and and that's the thing. So it, Jesus is telling us this parable of in a way that is relatable to us, mm-hmm. so we can better understand what he means about the process of sanctification. That's yep. that's what I think that this means just off of what the text says. Yep, you receive the word. And now
1: he wants you to go deep, and he wants you to persevere with good fruit. Right. Those are things. I, I often think about the the verse that says, don't grow, don't grow weary of doing good. Yeah. Because sometimes, man, you can get tired, and the world mm. can beat you down. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I don't know, man, about you, but I've been in places in my life, and I'm like, what am I doing all this for? Like, this is just so hard, and I feel like everything's against me. And then that yeah. verse comes to mind. Don't grow weary of doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't grow weary of doing it. Persevere in it. Stick with it. Be deeply rooted in your faith and, and, and be strong and persevere through it. That, that's, that's what Jesus is pushing here, and that's what he's teaching his disciples here. Yeah. Interestingly enough, all of these disciples— at one point in their life could be viewed as the uh the rocky soil because Jesus yeah. starts getting persecuted and Actually, they're like oh uh, i'm out of here. That, that's See, a great uh, point.
0: I didn't think of that but They you're right. literally
1: fall away from him. They yeah, literally yeah. all leave him, right? I mean, so interesting, right? You could you could say, "Hey, what about that time when Peter was eating with the Gentiles until the Jews from Jerusalem came to town and he's like, "Yeah, and he goes over here. Is that being choked out by comfort? I don't want to uh. rock the boat. I don't want to again. We all can relate to being these soils, but we yeah. got to press on to be the good soil. That's the type of person that Jesus wants us to be and, and how he wants us to be thinking of our life. Um, if, if you if you make it the other way and say the good soil is the saved one, then w- what is this parable about? Yeah. Oh, you got saved, good. That means nothing, right? Yeah. No, the yeah. parable is about don't – you? the fact that you could be rocky soil or thorny soil is the warning. You can be saved and be those press on to be good soil that's the idea that's what that's what he wants from us and so i think that through what the text says observation we can conclude on some pretty important things and not have to read our theology into it, mm. but we can exegete, we can take out of the scriptures what it's saying. And that should always be our goal, is to exegete what is said, not to impose our views onto what's there. And yeah. Every, yeah. every theological system, all sides of the aisle, has to be careful at doing that. It's yeah, so it's easy to do. Exactly. But observation, what the text says, can really help us to uh, avoid that error because we right. take a step back and we say just what's there just what's there and then it can help us with understanding scripture well hey thanks so much for being with us today on christ culture and coffee we hope you guys are having a good week we hope that you drink a cup of coffee remembering that there are 37 gallons of water yeah going into the production of that cup think. of coffee and that god really wants you uh, to be good soil he wants you to be people who are deeply rooted in truth people who persevere through hard times And produce good fruit. Don't grow weary of doing good. In a world that's so messed up, man, we got to keep pressing on. Got to be the good soil that produces the
0: good coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Coffee's a fruit. That's true.
1: (laughs) But hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll catch you guys next week.
0: If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you
1: become a level four supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ
0: Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.